Hello. That's quite strong. Hang on. Let me turn that down. Uh, uh, uh. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Hello. Okay, that's better. Hello, this is the Imaginary Advice Podcast. Uh, my name is Ross Sutherland. Hello, this episode is going to be a little bit different than usual, uh, as uh, I'm hosting writing by somebody else this month. Um, I was lucky enough to read an advanced copy of Ross McCleary's book called Portrait of the Artist as a Viable Alternative to Death, and um, I absolutely loved it. The entire book is essentially a fictional artist's manifesto, right? Uh, and uh, and I asked Ross if he would be kind enough to record a little extract of it for the podcast. So um, I'm going to hand over the rest of the podcast to him. Uh, there's just a couple of things to mention up front, uh, one of which is uh, that my latest film, is now streaming online. If you missed Stand By for Tape Backup in the theatres or in the cinema, uh, you can now watch it for free through the internet browser of your choice at standbyfortapebackup.com. Uh, it's a 65-minute essay film about the way that TV and film connects us to our past. Um, it began uh, about t- t- 10 years ago. I, when I, I found an old VHS tape in my attic that used to belong to my granddad and uh, I started to find ways to loop the material and slowly tease little bits of poetry out of it. Um, I toured the piece as a theatre show for three years uh, and then uh, made it into a documentary last year working with filmmaker Charlie Lyne and uh, I'm proud and slightly baffled to say that the film won some awards during its time on the film festival circuit it won third place at the audience award at fantastic fest in texas plus director's choice at boston underground film festival and the grand jury prize for experimental film at uh, bafiki in buenos aires how can that be possible you cry I don't know but I'm worried that if I think about it too much then it's just going to somehow undo itself and the awards will turn back into holograms uh, anyway that's that standbyfortapebackup.com uh, secondly I have a, a new play at the Edinburgh Fringe this August it's called Party Trap and it's playing the first 10 days at Summer Hall we're just about to start rehearsals now which is uh great uh the very exciting thing to say is that a i'm not in it uh i'm just the writer not the performer so that that's gonna improve the quality of the work dramatically and uh secondly uh the entire script is palindromic uh line by line the play feeds back on itself uh, to put it another way the first line of the play is the same as the last line and then the second line is the same as the penultimate and so on and so on and so on uh, until it meets in the middle that halfway point through a story is basically the mirror's edge and then when you pass through it you get this very very weird sensation because time is still moving forward but now language is starting to move backwards uh, the story set in the not too distant future where england is under threat of fascist rule um 
uh, and it centers around a live TV interview between a journalist and a politician, both of which are trying to manipulate the other into ending their career. Now, um, after the Edinburgh Fringe, we're going to be transferring the play to Shoreditch Town Hall in September, and um, I'll keep you updated through the podcast and let you know how all that goes. Uh, Okay, that's enough um, of me. It's time for me now to pass over to the other Ross. Um, Please pre-order... Ross McCleary's book from maudlinhouse.net. That'll be available from July onwards. Uh, I hope you enjoy this extract from Portrait of the Artist as a Viable Alternative to Death. meet the artist and you talk or at the very least you listen and these are the things he says he says the hot air balloon is underappreciated as a murder weapon he says that if he'd grown up to be a zookeeper he would have fed himself to a tiger He says all police procedurals are institutional propaganda. He says the stars don't come out at night. Rather, your eyes reach out to the sky. He says he can learn everything he will ever need to know about someone by the way they straighten their hair. He says real horror is being one gulp further into a drink than you think you are. He says if he lives to be 100 years old, he'll tell the press that the secret to which he owes this longevity is masturbating three times a day. He says he socialises constantly for fear of missing out, but he always feels relief when he is finally alone. He says loneliness is a product of the company you keep. He says there is a growing body of evidence to suggest that by 3015 the human body will have begun to evolve to survive car crashes. He says he's always there for his friends when they fall apart and to help pick up the pieces. Not as a noble gesture, but so he can find weaknesses, hide some pieces and hinder recovery. He says he loves this city more than he could ever love any single person. He says he enjoys having nightmares. He says he relishes the horror and is addicted to the adrenaline rush of waking up and knowing he is safe. He says the idea of inner peace fills him with dread. He says if he was to worship anything in the universe, it would be dark matter. He says war is the tabloid version of chess. He says artists are people who understand that human relationships are in themselves not enough. He says you never walk the same beach twice. He says he succeeds because he capitulates to his obsessions. He says he dreams in machine code. He says sarcasm demands an audience but craves isolation. He says he wants to pay his high school English teachers to fight each other. 
He says other people's success makes him sick and angry, but it also makes him work harder. He says to succeed is to demand that others fail. He says that the phrase character building is totemic of the idea that bad experiences are rich seams for becoming a better person. He disagrees with this. However, bad experiences often make for better art. He says he is allergic to sonnets. He says he once survived for a month on a diet of Crayola pencils. He says he has made replicas of famous paintings drawn with pens stolen from betting shops. He says he has searched for Tim Hem and Erotica and he has failed. He says his art and everything he does is a reaction to loss. He says there are no adequate similes for the sound of the wind and the rain. He says he stays awake late into the night because he is scared of swallowing a caterpillar in his sleep, then, sometime later, coughing up a butterfly. He says he would love to conduct an orchestra on a sinking ship. He says he dreams of painting the oceans red. He says he grows clouds in the greenhouse in his garden. He calls this art. He says plagiarism is a fire created without a spark. He says there are so many people he could have killed as they walked by, so many chances to take someone's life just to see how it would feel. But he didn't, and he hasn't. Not one single person has ever thanked him for this. He says, to make this clearer, he's curating an installation in which he writes a detailed description on a wall of the person he has fantasised about killing, the place where he had this thought, the weapon he would have used, and how he would have disposed of their body. He says once a month he paints the grass in his garden traffic light green in order to make his neighbours feel unconsciously melancholy about how good he has it. He says he has created an art piece from a fridge which he has made the automatic light go on when you shut the door and go off when you open it. He says once a year he screams all his frustration into a soundproof container, he then closes the box, tapes it up so not even light can escape and drives out to the countryside. There, at the edge of a wood, he opens it up and releases his frustration back into the wild. He calls this art. He says that even if animals hurt when their loved ones die, heartache is nonetheless a uniquely human trait. Much the same way that creating art is a uniquely human trait. Much the same way that building a house, filling it with everything that reminds him of her that he can no longer look at because of the pain, burning it to the ground while filming it, and selling those tapes on the internet as art is a uniquely human trait. He says fire is paint for the sky. He calls this art because he can. Imaginary advice this month. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, you can pre-order a copy of Ross McCleary's book from Maudlin 
house that's m-a-u-d-l-i-n-h-o-u-s-e dot net uh that'll be available from the start of july and you can find him on twitter at strong misgiving my name is ross sutherland uh thanks so much for listening back again next month with more imaginary advice <laughs>